sad exile was out on life's sea, so burdened with sin and distress, till I heard a sweet voice saying, make me your choice, and I entered the start. Come ahead, Brother Eric. Amen. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house tonight, isn't it? And uh, in our uh, oasis in the desert, that we call it. And uh, so glad each one of you chose to be here tonight with us. And uh, we're looking forward to a good night in the Lord. I'm going to ask for uh, Brother Griffin, would you please open us in a word of prayer tonight? Amen. You may be seated tonight. I want to go ahead and give you some announcements tonight before uh, we begin uh, with our prayer list. And so um, just some things coming up on the calendar. Men, make sure that uh, if you have not signed up for the men's recharge, it's coming up September 23rd and 24th. 
uh, and you'd like to go to that, I'd encourage you to go to that. It'll be a blessing to you. And uh, there's a sign-up sheet on the, on the left-hand side as you're leaving in the outer foyer there. It's $70, or if you're going to be staying in the hotel room, it's $140. And if you get extra guys to stay in the room with you, I think you can probably split that cost up. Uh, so just uh, make sure you uh, sign up that you're, that you're, if you're going to be going to that. And also don't forget, also on the table in the outer foyer as you leave uh, tonight, there are a couple of thank you cards uh, for uh, uh, Steve and also for Abraham, the guys that were so uh, instrumental in, in orchestrating getting the roof put on the, the foyer area there. And what a blessing that is, amen. And uh, if you looked out there today, the guttering is up. And uh, so that was done today. They did a great job doing that, and we're just, uh, just really blessed to have that done. And so uh, put your name on the card out there. Just sign it uh, for you or your family. And I think Preacher wanted you to put like a scripture verse or something if you felt led to do that um, on those uh, cards out there as you leave tonight. Don't forget tomorrow night, if you are a parent here that has kids in Faith Baptist School, we have parent orientation tomorrow night. And uh, I did tease the kids a little bit uh, because you're going to be doing some parent paces if you're a parent. And uh, so if you're caught cheating or uh, disobeying any of the rules, we'll be giving you demerits tomorrow night and all kinds of stuff. It'll be a lot of fun. And, and uh, so if your kids came home and said, Brother Eric said that you're going to get detentions they're telling the truth. That's what I told them, all right? So, and I also told them they had to take the detention slip home. The kids had to sign it and send it back the next day because that's the rule for them. So, uh, of course, we'll have a good time with that tomorrow night. So, looking forward to that. That's from 6 to 7.30 tomorrow night. So, make sure that you're here, and uh, we'll have uh, some refreshments and things for you also when you're here tomorrow night. So, looking forward to that. If you have kids that you need to bring with you to that tomorrow night, you don't have any, anybody to watch them, and they need to be watched uh, we'll have some uh, child care over in the gymnasium. Some of the high school girls will be over there, be able to take care of the kids tomorrow evening. So uh, just keep that in mind. But if your kids can stay home, uh, the fewer kids we have for them to watch, the better. Okay? Uh, so just uh, keep that in mind for tomorrow night. This coming Sunday night, we've got our Linger Longer for all the adults. Uh, so make sure you're aware of that. And we're going to have finger foods there to eat afterwards. So bring some snacks and some refreshments for that. That's this Sunday night. And then don't forget, uh, ladies, you have your first... Uh, ladies meeting this next Tuesday night starts at seven o'clock and it's a salad supper so make sure I guess you bring a salad of some sort and a soup I think is also uh, okay to bring so uh, this next Tuesday night from uh, seven o'clock to about eight thirty will be the first ladies meeting uh, next Tuesday and then don't forget we get into the month of September and uh, September the 5th is uh, going to be a labor day and no school on that day so uh, if you show up here with your children on the 5th of September, there won't be anybody here to watch them, so don't leave them sitting out there by themselves all day, okay? Uh, make sure you know that that's a day out of school for Faith Baptist School. Also, September the 9th through the 10th, there'll be the ladies' retreat to Berean, so ladies, make sure if you signed up for that, that uh, you've paid your money there and that you're ready to go to that on the 9th and 10th of September. And then our next uh, churchwide outreach will be September the 13th. I'm sorry, 17th, I can't read my own handwriting, on 17th at 10.30 in the morning. All right, so let's plan to be there for outreach, amen, on September the 17th. And we are looking forward to all these things that are coming up. Just a busy, actually right now it's kind of lighting down just a little bit, but it's starting to ramp back up. In October, it's going to be even busier, and then we get into Christmas already. It's hard to believe it's almost here, but it's coming right around the corner. Let's go ahead and get our prayer list out tonight if you would. And uh, we'll go through some things there on our prayer list. Of course, keep uh, Pastor and Miss Natalie in your prayers. They are enjoying their anniversary trip. They're down in Branson, Missouri, and things are going good so far. Uh, spoken with him just a few times briefly through text message and things like that, and they're having a great time together. So 
I'm sure thankful they were able to get away for that. Amen. And uh, so pray for them as they'll be traveling back tomorrow. We um, have several things, of course, um, that, that preachers been mentioning, and I just kind of made note of those. Good to see Brother Owen Wood here tonight. Uh, so thankful he's able to be here. We've been praying for him and uh, the, the troubles he's had there with his foot and in the recovery of that. Be sure and keep um, Miss Ginger Sexton in your prayers. Um, I know that uh, she was trying to make it on this last Sunday, and, and is she? Have I seen her? There she is. She just walked in the back door. Well, amen. It's good to see you. And, uh, but we're, we're keeping you in our prayers anyway, all right? And so glad that she's uh, recovering from the shingles and all the things she's gone through. My goodness, it's good to see her here tonight and uh, sitting with her husband. What a blessing. And, um, and of course, uh, Brother Nugent there, still recovering from uh, the cancer there. Keep him in your prayers. And also uh, those, I think, of uh, Ms. Shelby Dalsing, who's uh, with child. And uh, we'll find out, I understand, this weekend, it sounds like, what they're going to be having. So that's a blessing. And uh, so keep her in your prayers. And then, of course, uh, Miss Allison Kennedy, also in your prayers, that uh, is um, being diagnosed with scoliosis. I know that her parents would greatly appreciate that. And, and she's got an appointment coming up here um, pretty soon um, to get that looked at some more. So keep her in your prayers. Um, good to see the Reeves here tonight uh, who have just settled into their new home. And that's an answer to prayer. What a blessing that is. And uh, so keep them in your prayers as they're continuing to settle in there. And then I uh, had another prayer request added tonight. Uh, Miss Nancy Burge, uh, she's going to be having cataract surgery here in a couple of weeks. So we need to keep her in our prayers. And there's no exact date on that yet. Uh, but she wanted to be added to the prayer list. So make sure you're praying for her. Is there anyone else that we need to add anything tonight? Yes, Brother Griffin. Oh, my. Oh. Okay. All right. All right, so let's keep Pat Keitlinger in your prayers for bereavement. Um, if you did not hear, couldn't hear all that, uh, her 18-year-old son, grandson, um, took his own life, and uh, that's a, my goodness, that's a tough, tough thing, so keep, we'll be, add that to the prayer list, and be keeping uh, her in your prayers. Yes, Mrs. Hodges. Okay, 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 Um, so uh, Miss Carolyn Moore, right at the top, of our list there on the left on that first page. Um, going to be heading to the nursing home at Good Samaritan, so right over here across the street. And uh, she has, uh, of course, fought with Parkinson's now for years. And uh, so keep her in your prayer. Keep Brother Moore in your prayer too, Brother Mike Moore, uh, as he um, takes care of her. That's a tough task um, to take care of someone that's in need like that, and he certainly needs our prayers. So definitely keep them in your prayers. I see another one, Miss Beth Kirk. All right. So yeah, keep uh, keep keep Caleb and Miss Beth and their family in your prayers. As Caleb's going to be getting married uh, here in just a couple of weeks, and uh, and so uh, yeah, keep keep them in your prayers as they'll be traveling, and that everything will go well there. It's going to be up in Wisconsin, so uh, be sure and keep them in your prayers. I see another hand from back here. Brother Will. Okay. 
Amen. Amen. That's a blessing. What a blessing. So Miss Kathy Douglas is doing, doing well. That's a blessing. Amen. Okay. Miss Odie? Oh, no. Okay. Oh, my. Okay. Okay. So Gigi Huggins there, the little nine-year-old uh, that has cancer. He's on the bottom of the left-hand column, and uh, he's been admitted to hospice. So uh, keep the family in your prayers. So we're not sure of the status of that right now, if he's still with us or not. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. Sure. So, yeah, let's keep... Let's keep them in your prayers for sure in the family. Ms. Marilyn Parker, good to see you here tonight. All right. Yes, ma'am. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Amen. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, so Ines White here, there in that second column. Um, let's see. I don't, I know it's in there. How far down is that? I'm looking. About the fifth one down. Yeah, there it is, right there. All right, so she had her liver transplant and is doing well. What a blessing. Amen. I'm telling you what, it's, it's so good to know and pray to the one who can heal all. Amen. And just, I mean, it's just amazing. And, uh, Lord willing, we'll get to look at that a little bit more tonight in, our, in the message. So, yes, sir. Brother Don. Okay. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And I think as a church, any way we can help them would be a blessing. And so... Uh, if you can help out with uh, anything there at the house, talk to Brother Don Katanik, and he's got some things there. Um, but, yeah, we sure need to be in prayer for them, especially now that she's going to be transferring, sounds like, or transitioning over to the nursing home and all that. Absolutely. Mrs. Sexton. Amen. Uh-huh. Everybody's doing great. Amazing. So we can take them off. All right, so Mark Truitt there, just over halfway down in that right-hand column, had his kidney transplant and doing well. Amen. I'll tell you what, a lot of praises tonight for answered prayer. This is a blessing. So we can take him off of there as well. All right. Wow. Yes, Brother Dan. Oh my. Okay. Wow. Javier. Okay, do you have a last name? Is that Aguila? Aguilar? That's what, that's what I put. Which is surprising for me because I'm not a greatest speller with names. So, 
If I get it wrong, then preacher has to interpret it when he gets back and try, <laughs> try and put it on there. So, all right. Okay, so we'll just pray the family then for bereavement. My goodness. Anyone else? Miss Sadler? Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm sorry, say that again. A couple new ones? Okay. So Miss Edler there under the unspokens, and she has some several new unspokens we need to remember her and prayer for. Absolutely. Bradley? Uh huh. Okay. So Bray. Okay. So Braden Thomas and his brother Junior, they are um, bus riders that uh, Braden comes pretty faithful, I think, and uh, is missing out tonight because they have COVID. So keep the, their family in your prayers if you would. All right. I understand also that um, the Fraley family, some of them have also had COVID and been out. So um, talk, I texted with Danny last night and he, he never contracted it. But uh, Ashley, uh, of course, you all know Ashley. Julia did not get it, but Ashley and her parents both had it. So, and they're kind of on the, the back end of it now, I think. But keep them in your prayers, too. Anyone else tonight? Okay, let's go ahead and have the men come, if you would, please. And uh, we'll go to the Lord in prayer with all of these. And uh, said it so many times, but I'm, I'm thankful that we can pray to the God that his hand is the hand that moves the world. Amen. And... Uh, so let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight and ask prayer for these things and also for our offerings. I'm going to ask uh, Brother Raymer if you would pray for us tonight, please. Amen. The uh, most recent update uh, prayer letter from the Kitchen family, our missionaries there in Germany. He says, It's hard to believe that we are most of the way through the summer already. Time is flying by and we are busier than anticipated here at Grace Baptist Church. We're thankful to our Lord for the opportunity to serve Him exactly where He wants our family. June was a busy month as we prepared and had our first annual Independence Day celebration on the 25th. 
This was an opportunity for the church to reach out to the military community with a fun day for families. We had several activities, food, and fellowship, and we praised the Lord that there were 15 families, a total of 53 people, who attended the two-hour activity. None of these visitors had had any association with the church before this. It was very special for our church members as each person that came was given the gospel and hopefully experienced the love of Christ through our church families. We're already planning for more days like this to be able to reach our military community with the gospel in the near future. We've been blessed in the past month to have two families visit Grace Baptist Church. This has been a real blessing as we had a family of six leave on orders to another duty station recently. We will be losing two more families in the next few months as well. Although this is difficult, we understand that it is the nature of military ministry. Please pray that God would work on the hearts of these <clears throat> that have visited uh, that they would come to be a part of Grace Baptist Church. We have complete faith in God to give the increase as we continue to invite people, share the gospel, and labor for his glory. Since arriving in Germany, we've been slowly remodeling our church building with some much-needed improvements. This uh, last week, we had a church work day, and several of the members came and put in nearly 10 hours of work to the property. There was drywall sanding, painting, cleaning, organizing, and flooring put down all throughout the building. It was a wonderful day with many things accomplished. More important than the work being done was to see families and teenagers working together to beautify the facilities that the Lord has blessed us with, all of which is for the furtherance of the gospel. It's apparent that the honeymoon stage has come to an end, and we are now fully submersed into a consistent weekly schedule concerning ministry and home life. This is not a discouraging thing, but one that can truly test our faith on many different levels. While we desire church growth at Grace Baptist Church, we first desire that it is a healthy church spiritually with healthy families spiritually. In the next month, we will begin discipling several people within the church who have expressed a desire to grow in their walk with God. This is very exciting and shows a tenderness to the leadership of God's Spirit in the lives of our members. Please pray as we begin working with these folks that they would be committed and allow God to bring them through uh, the lifelong sanctification journey. Thank you for your faithfulness to support our family financially and to shower us with your prayers, love, and encouragement along the way. Uh, for his glory, the Kitchen family. So good update there. I continue to pray for them. Of course, they have just uh, recently, I mean, they're in their first term recently, having gone to the field there in Germany, and we're excited uh, for what the Lord is doing through and with them. Brother Parker, would you pray for the kitchens as well as our other missionaries? Amen. All right, if you'd please stand, take your hymnals, and turn to hymn number 371. We're going to sing the first, the second, and the fourth verses of Send the Light, hymn number 371. Okay. 
There's a call comes ringing o'er the restless waves Send the light, send the light There are souls to rescue, there are souls to save Send the light, send the light Send the light, the blessed gospel light Let it shine from shore to shore Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. We have heard the Macedonian call today, send the light, send the light. And a golden offering at the cross we lay, send the light, send the light. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Let us not grow weary in the work of love, send the light, send the light. Let us gather jewels for a crown above. Send the light, send the light, send the light. The blessed gospel light, let it shine from shore to shore. Send the light, the blessed gospel light, let it shine forevermore. Amen. If you get your Bibles out and remain standing for the message. Amen. Every time I sing that song, I wonder who put the NIV version of that song in there. But uh, no, we're teasing, of course. Uh, But I'll tell you what, I don't know why they changed the lyrics from shore to shore to shore to shore. Because it is going to be forevermore until the Lord comes back. Amen. His word is not going to be put out, and uh, so thankful for that tonight. If you would, turn to Psalm 3. Psalm 3, this is where we were the last time I was uh, able to preach. I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to preach tonight. Never take it lightly. I'm always very humbled and feel not worthy to preach, but I'm thankful that the Lord allows me to do so. And I trust that it will be a blessing to you tonight. And uh, we're going to read all of Psalm 3 Uh, If you remember the last time we were together, we looked at the first four verses uh, specifically. We're going to go ahead and read through all eight verses uh, tonight and then uh, do just a brief review and then get into the message this evening. Psalm 3, verse number 1 says, Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Now, notice there's an exclamation point there. I kind of think that David, right here as he's writing this, um, was very serious in what he was saying. There was a lot of uh, uh, enemies that were coming up around him. And and how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, we'll get into that a little bit more tonight as well. Those two words right there, so critical to this passage. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me and my glory And the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. I laid me down and slept. I awaked 
for the Lord sustained me. Have you ever gone to sleep at night and just fallen asleep and it seemed like the weight of the world was on you? And you prayed and you went to sleep and you wake up and it's just better? Hmm. Verse 6, I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for Thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. And I love verse 8, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon Thy people. Let's pray tonight. Father, thank You so much for Your Word. Lord, thank You for passages like this. Lord, passages that we can look to where we understand that those that we read about in the Bible, Lord, they're people just like us. And they went through things just like we do. And they struggled with things just like we do. But Lord, thank you that we can look many, many times throughout your word to their example where they turn to you for help. And God, I pray tonight as we just look at this passage tonight that it would just be a refresher and a reminder to those of us that are saved tonight that we have a God that cares about us. We have a God that loves us. We have a God that wants to help us, but we need to turn to him. Lord, just bless your word. Bless the reading of it. Bless the message tonight. Lord, use me as a vessel tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Thank you for standing in honor of God's Word. Now, I know Pastor always tells you he has a lot of pages of notes and doesn't make any difference. I'm kind of the same way. And I'll try and stick to my notes so we can get through it tonight, okay? I'm not, I don't want to drag it on out, but we need to do a little bit of review just to bring us back up to speed. And if you remember the last time we were in Psalm 3, we looked at a part of David's life that was probably the worst part of his life. If he, if he were to reflect on his life, he would most likely, I think in my mind, look to this and say, this was probably the part of, of my life where I was the most discouraged, where I was the most hurt, where I was the most down. And to really understand exactly where David is coming from tonight, as, as he wrote Psalm 3 that, that we just read, we looked at a little background history the last time we were here that, that led him to, to write Psalm 3. All right, and, and if we were to take the time, and for time's sake, we're not going to go back and read all of the verses. We looked at a few the last time, but we're not going to read back through there. But you look in 1 Samuel 16 and, and in 2 Samuel there in chapters 14 through 16, and we would see the series of events that, that led David to this place here in Psalm chapter 3. When I think of King David, I think uh, you would agree with me that we think of a, what the Bible calls a man after God's own heart. We think of a mighty man, a, a man of valor, a man of war. Um, I, I think of someone who followed after the things of God, someone who strived to do his, his very best to follow God in every area of his life. We also pointed out last time that, that um, he was a man who was at one point in his life one of the most powerful men in the world. And he was. He, he was the king of Israel. Uh, the Bible calls him in, in 1 Samuel 16, 18, actually refers to him uh, as a valiant man, a man of war. King David reigned for decades as one of the most powerful monarchs in all of the known world at that time. His military power was just magnificent. 
the strength that it had. It was, it was known all over the world. It was legendary. He, he, he had caused uh, Israel's dominance to spread uh, far beyond Israel's borders. And in doing so, he'd become very wealthy. He was very wealthy. He lived in a palace. He lived in a palace with his wives and his servants. David was a man that, that had authority of life and death over anyone that he came into contact with. Now think about the power that was involved there to be able to say, you die or you live. That's a powerful man. He was the king. And nobody dared to get in David's way. Nobody. However, David was a man just like you and I are men and women tonight. He was human. And he did something that would change the course of his life forever. David committed a horrible sin against God when he set his eyes on a woman that was not his wife. He was the wife, it was the wife of someone else and, and he lusted after her to the point that he ended up having her husband killed. I think that probably every one of us here tonight, we know the story of David and Bathsheba. We've heard that story. We've heard it preached and taught. So I don't need to go into a lot of detail tonight, but David desired to have Bathsheba, who was the wife of, of one of David's best soldiers that he had named Uriah. And, and David sinned with Bathsheba. And to cover up his sin, David had Uriah killed in battle. Now, David did repent when he was confronted by Nathan the prophet there in 2 Samuel chapter 12. But David's sins set in motion a course of events that God allowed to happen. Because even though David had repented, there was still going to be some, some devastating consequences for his sin, you see. If you remember in 2 Samuel 14, David's oldest son Amnon did evil and he forced his sister Tamar to commit sin with him. Then at the end of that chapter, another of David's sons, Absalom, took revenge and, and murdered Amnon for committing that sin with their sister. Absalom then fearing for his very life, he fled. He fled into exile for several years, but in chapter 15, he's allowed by King David to, to come back home to the kingdom. But after Absalom returns, David refuses to see him. For two whole years, David refused to see Absalom. Because of this, Absalom began to get angry. He begins to get bitter toward his father, King David. And so Absalom begins to connive he begins to scheme. He begins to, to court the people of Israel. And if you were to read the story there in 2 Samuel 15, Absalom begins to offer himself to the people as a better leader than his, than his father was. A more, a more sympathetic leader, if you will, than his father. And he begins to win over many of the hearts of the people of Israel. And he wins so many, and, and so many get on his side that he can easily overtake the kingdom. And David has to flee into the wilderness with all those that will still side with him. And so David flees. And in 2 Samuel 15, 30, we, we read of David weeping. If you would, please turn there just for a moment to 2 Samuel chapter number 15. I want you to see these verses tonight. 
2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse number 30. And it says, the Bible says, And David went up by the ascent of Mount Olivet and wept as he went up and had his head covered and he went barefoot. And all the people that was with him covered every man his head and they went up weeping as they went. We find here David, he's barefoot. He's covered his head in shame for all that was being done. To, to make matters worse, if you read on, David went to a town called Bahurim and, and a, name there, a man there named Shimei. Shimei, he was actually from the family of King Saul, who was the king right before David. And, and he comes out and he curses David and he throws rocks at him and he, he accuses David of being worthless. Remember there in verse number four, I'm sorry, verse number two of our, of our text there in Psalm three, it says, Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. I can't help but think that Shimei, he's thinking of Shimei here when Shimei was mocking him. I think we could safely say tonight that this was without a doubt the most traumatic, humiliating experience in David's life. Everything that David had spent his entire life building and working for was coming apart right before his very eyes. Those that he thought were his friends and allies were leaving him and siding with his rebellious son Absalom. Not to mention how must how much that must have hurt to know that your son is rebelling against you. Can you just imagine how painful that must have been? David was being forced to reflect on his own life and his own failure as a father. And I can only imagine him here in this moment reflecting on the past few years and, and, and thinking of his, of his daughter that was violated by his son. Hmm. And that son being murdered. And now the son that murdered Amnon, which is Absalom, was trying to take over his kingdom. And as king, David begins to look around. He's seeing his life seemingly fall apart before his very eyes. Now we've all had things, no doubt, in our lives that we would consider probably humiliating or traumatic. Tough times. Hard times. It, 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 as a Christian, it's not about if it's going to happen. It's about when it's going to happen. And we look here at David and we see him and we see how he's weeping and he's crying and he's mourning. And those are reactions that we would have. Few of us, though, have probably had anything happen to us quite like David did. But what do you do when things fall apart? What do you do when, when, when everything you know seems to be crashing down around you? How do you respond? When you think that everything's going great at your job and suddenly your job's been taken from you, what do you do? When one of your kids suddenly decides to be rebellious like Absalom was here, what do you do? We could continue to list things tonight, and I'm sure that every single person in this room could probably raise their hand and give, give something that has happened in their life where they just felt like everything was crashing down. Hmm. It's something that we're going to go through if we haven't already. 
You might be able to even think of a friend tonight or a family member or somebody you know that maybe is going through something right now. And you're wondering, how, how, how can I help them? Hmm. We've all been there. What do we do when life falls apart? Where do we turn when life falls apart? Well, I said it before in the last message, and we're going to start here again because I'm going to say it again. We need to go to the Word of God. Because the Word of God has the answers to these problems that we face and these questions that we have. Now, last time we were in Psalm 3, we looked clearly and closely at at verses 1 through 4. Just to bring us back up to speed tonight, let's look at those briefly again because we need to be reminded of David's mindset here, okay? And I'm not doing this just to fill time tonight. Believe me, I've got plenty of notes. But I just feel like maybe just to kind of bring us back up to speed and what's going on here, okay? So now again, look at verses 1 through 4. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me out of his holy hill. Now again here, we understand that David wasn't perfect, don't we? We understand that David wasn't perfect. Yes, he was, he was called a man after God's own heart. And yes, he was a valiant man. Yes, he was a man of war. And he did many great things that we can look to. But he wasn't perfect, and he made mistakes. As we've looked at tonight already, David certainly had some downfalls. At times he wasn't walking with God like he should have been. But let's not think of ourselves tonight as any better than King David. Because we have times in our life that we're not walking with God too. If we're going to be honest with uh, with ourselves tonight before God, we're going to say there are times in our life where we know we're not where we should be with God. I know in my own life there are times I go through that I'm not right with God. And I have to get before God and I have to get with Him and I have to make things right. And I think if we're going to be honest tonight, we're going to admit that tonight. Also, none of us have ever been called a person after God's own heart. But David was. So before we looked at our, our noses at David, if you will, tonight and say, well, what in the world, David? You kind of put yourself into this spot. I think all of us tonight could probably, if we're going to admit, say we've put ourselves in some of those places before. Every one of us. But I think tonight as we look at Psalm 3, we can see maybe why God called David a man after God's own heart. Because when David's life started falling apart, what did David do? Where did he turn? Well, again, he wrote Psalm 3. And if you just look at the words in Psalm 3, you can see what David did. And if we would just follow the example that David set, we'd be a whole lot better off. So let's just look at that for a moment tonight. Because David gave us a great example to look to as to how you and I are supposed to respond when we look around and things just seem to be falling apart. In the first two verses of the chapter, we see that when David's life was seemingly falling apart, David went to God. Look at those first two verses. Lord, how are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that, that rise up against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help from him in God. Who's he talking to here? Look at the first word, Lord. He's talking to God. When things started going wrong in David's life, he went to God. Now remember, David isn't telling God anything he doesn't already know. It's not like David starts telling God all these things that's going on and God says, Whoa, I didn't realize that was happening. David, let me come and help you. No, God already knew what was going on, but David lays out all the details. Did you know we need to do the same thing? 
God knows exactly what you're going through in your life. He knows where you're at right now. He knows the struggles you're going through. He knows the trials you're going through. He knows the grief you're going through, the hurt that you're going through. Don't think for a minute he doesn't love you and doesn't know where you're at because he does. But he wants you and I to come before him and lay it all out. That's what he wants. And that's what we need to do. I believe that David understands that he cannot bear this burden uh, all on his own that he's going through. He has to give it to God. In these first two verses, David is acknowledging before God that, that he alone is not able to handle this overwhelming situation that he's going through. And when you and I come up against things just like this in our lives, we also have to come to this same conclusion. We cannot handle it on our own. But our natural human tendency is to try to fix it on our own and do it on our own, but we can't. We've got to learn to go to God. Look at verses 3 and 4. Verse 3 and 4 says, I cried unto the Lord with my... Uh, I'm sorry, but thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter up of mine head. I cried unto the Lord with my voice, and he heard me. And he heard me out of his holy hill. And we're going to get into that a little bit more, but aren't you thankful God hears our prayers? My goodness, we need to be thankful for that tonight. In these next two verses, we see that David cries out to God. When it seems like... Uh, that life as, as we know it is just falling apart and things are crashing down around us. We, we've got to learn to just cry out to Him because He's there to hear you and He's there to listen. He's there to help you. Look at just the first two words of verse number 3. I hit on this a little bit last time, but I'm telling you, if we just learn this, the first two words, but thou... God, I am going through so much in my life. I feel all the pressures on me. All this stuff is happening. If we would just remember, but thou, we'd be a whole lot better off. But thou. David immediately turns the focus off of himself to God. Lord, look at all these things that are happening in my life. Look at, look at the enemies that are coming around me. Lord, there's people that are telling me that, that I can't even reach you anymore. That you can't, You're not even there to help me anymore. He says, but thou. But thou, God, I know you're there. But thou. This is very encouraging to me as I read this because there have been many times in my life where things didn't seem to be working out. Things seemed to be falling apart. And if I could just have remembered these two powerful words, I would have been a whole lot better off. But thou. Because we don't see how things are going to work out, but God does. We don't see the end results. We just, we just see what's going on in the moment. And it gets really discouraging. And you know who does that to you? Satan does that to you. Because he wants to discourage the Christian. But if we'll just remember, but thou, God, you're mightier than him. You're greater than all that's going on. And if I just put my trust in you, I'm going to be a whole lot better off. I'm telling you what. Listen, personal experience. And, and I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But there are times in our life where we just feel so down. And that's what Satan wants. But then we remember, but thou, and things look so much better. I mean, they just look so much better. That smile come back on your face. Some of us seem to smile a little bit. This is an encouraging passage to me. But thou, because our Heavenly Father already knows the answer. He knows what lies ahead, and even though things seem bleak and lonely, but thou. Man. David writes this. Look at the the next part of that verse. But thou art a shield for me. (laughs) What's he saying? 
He's saying the Lord was his defender. The Lord was his protector. The Lord is the one that's going to help him. The Lord is the one that's going to protect him from all that's going on, from his enemies that are round about him. He was encouraging himself in God. We need to be doing the same thing. He placed all his faith and trust in the Lord. He was saying here, it's not about me and what I can do for myself. It's about you, Lord, and what you can do for me. Man. David then writes, but thou, look at the next one, art my glory. But thou art my glory. No matter how much wealth, no matter how much majesty that, that he had on, on this earth as, king, as a king, King David recognized here that he would have none of it if it were not for the Lord. None of it. The Lord alone was his true glory. It didn't matter if David was ever restored to the throne or not. David was going to give God the glory no matter what happened. Thou alone, God, art my glory. You and I have to understand and keep in mind tonight that we have nothing without God. Nothing. Nothing. We don't have the air that we breathe. We don't have the Bible that we hold in our hands. We don't have the church to come to. We don't have our families, our children, our jobs. Nothing without God. And all the honor and glory for all of it needs to always go to Him because He is the one that's worthy of it. We aren't worthy of any of it. David here says, God, You are my shield. You're my, my protector. You're my defender. And You are my glory. Mm. Can I just tell you tonight, God should be your glory. He should be your glory. Next, David writes, But thou art the lifter up of mine head. David writes this with the idea of God restoring his joy to the place where it was before. David understood that God alone was the one who, even if everything didn't turn out the way that it was before, and David certainly knew that, that it probably wouldn't, God could still give him his joy back. He could still give him his joy back. And it's no different for you or I. When things seem to be crashing down all around us and we would say life's just falling apart, we have to come to the place where we humble ourselves before God that we serve and we remember that He is our shield and our protector for us. He, he, is, he alone is what we should be finding our glory in and He alone is the one that can restore our joy. Him and Him alone. I think we would agree tonight as we look at this that David knew how to pray. David knew how to pray. He, he knew how to reach the Lord in prayer. Whenever I think of a prayer warrior, I cannot help but think of Mrs. Fott, Miss Elda Fott. My dad would tell me stories about Mrs. Fott and how she would pray for people and, and they'd be great and she'd pray for other people that weren't doing so good and you didn't want to be on her bad side, let me tell you. She was a prayer warrior. I loved Mrs. Fott. Loved her. David was a prayer warrior. I want to point this out tonight. I think it's important that we recognize and understand here that this prayer that David is praying to God here, it's not a single act. Okay? It's not a single act. It's not like all of a sudden David was in trouble and he decided, oh, I'm going to pray to God. No, David had a prayer life. And he prayed to God. And, and, and he, he knew how to reach the Lord through prayer. And, and he was in this, this kind of prayer uh, and prayer life that he had was a habit to him. Okay? And you can tell by the way that he's praying here. He says, the, the holy hill that's mentioned here at the end of verse number 4. Uh, this is referring to Mount Zion in, in Jerusalem. Now, if you remember, this is where the Ark of the Covenant was. Okay, And if you would, I want you to turn to 2 Samuel. If you, you might still be there. 2 Samuel chapter number 15. And I want us to look here at these next verses. 2 Samuel 15 and, and verse 25 and 26. 
Verse 25 and 26. And the king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of God. Now remember, this is King David talking to Zadok here. The king said unto Zadok, carry back the ark of, uh, of God into the city. If I shall find favor in the eyes of the Lord, he will bring me again and show me both it and his habitation. But if he thus say, I have no delight in thee, behold, here, I, here am I. Let him do to me as seemeth good unto him. We read here that Zadok and the Levites were bringing the ark to David. They were going to join up with him in his escape into the wilderness. But David sent them back and he told them to return the ark to the city. Now think about David's spirit here. David then tells them that if he finds favor in the sight of the Lord, that the Lord will bring, uh, will bring him back again and show him both it and his habitation. But if he doesn't find favor with the Lord, then he said, let the Lord do with me as seemeth good for him to do. Wow. This passage of Scripture shows us how humble, how humble David was before God here at this point in time. He was perfectly fine with the Lord restoring him to the place where he'd been, and David would have worshipped God and given him the glory for it. But if he hadn't restored him to where he had been, David had a heart that was completely humbled before God, and he was still going to give God the glory for it anyway. He says, God, do with me as you will. We need to have a heart like that. God, if things don't work out like I want them to work out, it's okay, because it's not about me. God, your will be done. But if things work out as I want them, <laughs> glory to God. You get all the glory too, because it's not about me. God, you did it anyway. That's David's heart here. David understood that even though he was going to be separated from the symbol, if you will, which was the ark of God's dwelling place, that separation from that was no hindrance to him praying to God. He didn't have to have the ark present for him to reach God and pray to him. You and I should be no different. We, we've got to learn to humble ourselves before God. We've got to learn to realize that the only plea, the only plea that you and I have before God ever is his grace. That is the plea that we have. We have to remember that it doesn't matter where we're at in our lives or, or what kind of hardships or, or what kind of difficulties we face, that even in our darkest hour and even in the difficulties that we face, uh, even though maybe they've been brought on by ourselves and our own failures, we can still cry out to God. David understood here what was going on. He understood here that what he was going through was brought on by his own sin. He was told by the prophet that would happen. He understood what was going on, but he still cried out to God. And things you're going through in your life, you might say, but this is all happening because of my own doing. You still have a God that loves you. You still have a God that cares about you. You still have a God that will hear you, but you need to cry out to him. And you need to lay it all out before him, just like David did. Because God's grace is more than sufficient to meet your needs. And He'll hear us and He'll answer our prayers according to His purpose. That's important to remember. Not according to our purpose, but according to His. And so if it doesn't turn out the way you wanted it, you give Him the glory anyway. When David's life was falling apart, he prayed to the Lord. If you would turn to the New Testament now, to the book of Philippians. Book of Philippians chapter number 4. 
Philippians chapter number 4. Let's look at verses 6 and 7. Paul writes here and he says, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This passage tells me that if we want to experience the peace of God in our lives in the hard and difficult times, that we need to go to the Lord in prayer. We need to go to Him in prayer. David went to the Lord in prayer. He literally lived out this passage right here that we read from Paul. He was going through difficult times and he went to God in prayer. David went to the Lord in prayer. He cried out to Him. And in the next five verses of Psalm 3, if you want to go back to our main text, we're going to see the results of that prayer. Psalm 3. Look at verse number 5. I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people that have set themselves against me round about. Arise, O Lord, save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. David went to God in prayer. Then he laid down and went to sleep. Just think about it. That's what it says. Then I laid me down to sleep. (laughs) He didn't go to sleep now in the comfort of his palace. He didn't go to sleep with all of his full army around him protecting him. No, he went to sleep on the ground. And he knew that at any moment his enemies could overtake him. And he could be wiped out. He went to sleep in the middle of nowhere. David went to sleep. He, he slept through the night and he awoke the next morning safe and sound. The end of verse 5 tells us that the reason that David was able to do this is because the Lord had sustained him. The Lord had sustained him. Now, notice in verse 6, David's outlook on things has changed because now he begins to get reports of ten thousands of people. These aren't cheerleaders. These aren't people coming to him. Yes, David, go. We heard your prayer last night. It was a great one. We're on your side. No. These are David's enemies. Ten thousands of them, it says. Not thousand, thousands. That's a lot. They want to kill him. But the verse said he's not afraid anymore. Wow. When you, as a child of God, learn to lay a hold of God in prayer... Not just in the times of ease, but also in the most difficult times. Can I just tell you, you'll find the peace of God. You'll find the peace of God. I I couldn't help but think here um, back to when my dad passed away. And and many of you have had relatives that have passed away that you love very much. I don't want this to sound like I have it harder than anybody else because I don't. But when you're the song leader of the church and your dad passes away and your pastor comes to you and says... I think you should lead the song service for your father's funeral. Whoa. I I was like, preacher, I don't know if I can do that. His exact words to me were this. God will help you. Praying God will help you. It was unreal. Before the service, my wife can testify to this. Anyone probably that was there could testify to this. I was pretty emotional. You walk up, you see the casket there. You see your your father, your relative laying there. You're going to miss him a ton. 
pretty emotional. I came over here, right up here on this platform. I sat down. Pastor looked at me and he said, you okay? I looked right at him and I said, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Except the peace of God was there. That's, that's, all I can, that's all I can say. After the funeral's over with, back to an emotional basket case. <laughs> During the fu- I'm just telling you, you reach out to God. You lay hold of God. And I'm not telling you I'm the biggest prayer warrior up here. Please don't take it that way. I'm just simply telling you, you reach out to God. You pray that he will help you. And even in the hardest times in your life, that peace will be there. That peace that you can't get from anywhere else. I've told, I've told people, I don't understand how people that don't know the Lord, you go to their funerals, and it's just sad. It is sad. And in ministry, we see, unfortunately, quite a bit of that. You go to funerals, and, and, and the people there aren't saved, and, and, and they don't understand the peace of God, and, and the mourning, and the weeping, and the crying, and the, just the horrible things that you hear and see. It's just horrible. But when you go to a funeral where you know that person is in heaven, and the peace of God, and you're saved tonight, and you have that peace, I'm telling you, it's 100% different. It's 180 degrees a different, different direction because God is there. It's just amazing. When the Lord is your shield and the one who sustains you, the odds or numbers against you, they don't matter. I read this and I really like this. It says, one plus God is a majority. I really like that. One plus God is a majority. You don't need anyone else. You just need God. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Romans 8.31, If God be for us, who can be against us? He goes on to say that we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, but that we are more than conquerors through Him that, that loved us. In other words, even if our enemies kill us, we can have peace in our soul. I don't know about you, but this is kind of sounds to me like what David was telling Zadok and the Levites back in 2 Samuel 15 that we just looked at a few minutes ago. Now think about this for a minute. In a perfect world, David would have prayed to the Lord, completely trusted in Him, and this psalm would have most likely ended there in verse number 6. Everything was good. But the reality is that David's no different than any of us. I said that from the beginning of the message tonight. He's a human being. He has emotions just like you and I do. He has fears just like you and I would. And because he struggled just like you and I would, he had some anxiety, it would appear here. And he he cries out again to the Lord in verse number 7. In verse number 7, he says, Arise, O Lord, and save me. O my God, for thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone. Thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord, thy blessing is upon thy people. In verse 1, we see David use the verb rise up because his enemies were rising up against him. Now in verse 7, he uses the same verbiage when he asks the Lord to arise and smite his enemies. We also see those in verse number 2 that, that were doubting David's God was even real, were mocking him for it and saying that God wouldn't even help him. In verse number 7, David asked for the Lord to help when he asks God to save him. David here portrays his enemies. Think about this. He says, For thou hast smitten all mine enemies upon the cheekbone, thou hast broken the teeth of the ungodly. He, he speaks here of his enemies as those having teeth. 
Teeth ready to devour him. Teeth, teeth ready to destroy him. So he asks God to break their teeth. <laughs> and actually, he speaks as though this has already taken place. You know, when you pray to God, you need to pray expecting an answer. And that's the way David prays here. This seems to show us the, the sure confidence that David had in God to write this as though it had already taken place. But when it came right down to it, David knew, he knew in his heart who was really in control of it all. David makes one final exclamation there when he says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. You see, David wasn't dependent upon his own strength. He wasn't dependent upon his army's strength. He, he wasn't dependent upon his wealth or his riches or his power. David didn't depend on some special military strategy to go defeat Absalom. No, he didn't depend on that at all. David was completely and 100% dependent upon the Lord. He didn't say salvation is going to come through anything I do or salvation is going to come through what my armies are going to do. No, salvation belongeth to God. David knew that if there was going to be a victory... It was going to come from the Lord. It wasn't going to come from any other source. Victory was not going to come through anything that he was able to do himself or could do himself. You and I must learn to look to God for the victories in our lives. He's the only one that can give them. He's the only one that can give them. And so many times as Christians, we try to figure it out on our own or try to fix things in our own power and in our own strength when really we need to learn just to completely depend upon the Lord, all the time, all the time, not just when things are going easy or good, not just when things are going hard, but all the time, all the time. Trust in Him and Him alone because salvation only comes from the Lord. Lastly, we see in the last part of verse 8 that David was not praying selfishly. He was not praying selfishly. Look, look at the last part of verse number 8. Thy blessing is upon thy people. David asks here for a blessing to be upon the Lord's people. Why would he do this? Well, you see, David knew that he was the king. He was anointed king. But he understood that those people of Israel, they were not his people. They were God's people. He didn't own them. They belonged to God. And this rebellion that Absalom was having toward him, it was not only affecting him. It was affecting the people. It was affecting the nation of Israel in a very negative way. It was dividing the nation. So David didn't want God just to deliver him. David's heart was that God would deliver the people. His heart was that God would deliver the nation of Israel from, from the hurt that it was going through and experiencing. In, in turn, this would be a blessing to the people. It would be a blessing to them. Can I just tell you tonight, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves praying very, very selfishly. We can find ourselves praying very selfishly, but the Lord wants us to pray keeping His kingdom in mind. That's what God wants. We see this pattern in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew 6.10 when Jesus says, Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. We must remember that when it seems like life is just falling apart around us and that everything is going against us, maybe 
financially we're struggling, or maybe your marriage is struggling, or maybe you have a child that is, that is uh, you know, pulled away from God and living in rebellion, don't just pray so that your needs will be met and so that you can be happy. No, we're supposed to pray in light of the kingdom of God so that God will act on our behalf and so that He will get the honor and the glory through it all. That's how we're to pray. We need to follow the example of David here in our text and pray so that God will be glorified and so that God's people will be blessed and strengthened through it. You see, David was in what I believe probably one of the most difficult moments of his entire life. His family was falling apart. His kingdom was falling apart. He was discouraged. He was humiliated. But he wrote a song. He wrote a song to the Lord. And this psalm of David teaches us that even in the worst of times, when life seemingly falls apart, we can still experience the peace of God when we humble ourselves and go to Him in prayer. Believing that He will hear our prayers. Believing that He will answer our prayers. Then when we place our full trust and confidence in what He can do, knowing that He's the only one that can give the victory, and when He answers, He gets all the glory from it, your joy will be restored, and God's people will get a blessing from it when they see it. As I said before, probably none of us in this room tonight have ever gone through anything quite as bad as David did here. I know that I haven't. But I've gone through some tough stuff in my life. The one that I I think of the most in my life would have been probably when my wife and I were trying to have children and it just wasn't happening. My wife went through several miscarriages and in those moments of hurt and heartache, let me tell you, you've got to really trust in the Lord. And I'm not going to stand up here and tell you tonight that my heart was completely right about it the entire time because I'd be lying to you. Because... It's really hard not to question God in times like that, especially in the second time, the third time. You're like, okay, God, what are you trying to do? Like, this is hard. We want to have children, but you're just not giving them to us. It's tough. But when we finally began... To follow the Lord and bathe it in prayer. And we realized kind of what we thought the Lord was trying to do. We prayed to Him, sought His will. He showed us the why. He showed us the why. He's used the adoption of our children to bring honor and glory to Himself. Time And time again, and I'm not going to stand up here tonight and tell you, my family's perfect. We always look perfect. You all know that'd be a lie. You know my children. And you know me. And you know my wife. We are not perfect by any means. But he's used that adoption to bring honor and glory to himself through it over and over and over again. And rightfully so. Do you know why? Because the glory belongs to him. 
It's nothing that we've done. You know, I, people say, well, y'all are just amazing parents. No, we're not. Stop it. Okay? We do our very best to follow the Lord and His will and, and raise our children the way God would want us to. But God gets the honor and the glory for it. He's the one in control of it all. And He's the one that did it all. We didn't do anything. I didn't pick my kids. He did. And I tell people all the time, if I could have handpicked them, I couldn't have picked kids that fit our lifestyle and ministry better than he did. I couldn't have done it. He gets the honor and the glory from it. He deserves the honor and glory. My goodness, he deserves it. But I can say to you with confidence tonight that when the Lord works in situations like ours, and God's people see the Lord working and giving the victory in those situations, it doesn't just bring our joy back, and it has brought joy to our life and our family. And it doesn't just give glory to Him. It's a blessing to His people. Because when you get to witness God working in the lives of families, that brings a blessing to you and me. When we get to see God working in the life of our pastor and his family, that should bring blessing to us. When we get to see God working in the lives, I don't know my prayer list up here, it's sitting over there, but in, in these blessings that we heard tonight, and people getting transplants, and, and, and Mrs. Sexton back tonight, and Brother Wood doing well, that ought to bring joy to us. We need to get the blessing from that. That's how God uses victories to give blessings to his people. And that's what David was praying for right here. God, give a blessing to your people through it all. If you're a child of God tonight, can I just tell you that when life seems to be falling apart, it doesn't matter tonight if it's something small or something huge, some huge disaster that's gone on, or even if it's something that maybe was brought on because of you. You have the same access to prayer to the same God that David did. Same one. He hasn't changed. He hasn't gone anywhere. He's there for you just like he was for David in Psalm 3. Go to God. It might take some humility, but that's okay. Just humble yourself. Go to him in prayer. Cry out to him. Believe the night that he's going to answer because he's the only one that can give victory. And when he does, give him the glory for all of it. All of it. Let's bow our heads for prayer tonight.